Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 61 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today is my co-host as usual, Jeremy Lin... Oh, I'm sorry, hang on. Okay, producer Daryl Takahashi has told me that Jeremy Lambert is on vacation and will not be joining us tonight. Go, dial up option B. Alright, joining me now will be my other co-host, Stephen... Co- no? Okay, um, Steve's working two jobs and doesn't watch Impact anymore, so that's a no-go. Let's try number three. I'll dig uh, deep into the bag here. Daryl, overseas call. Let's go. All right, joining me now is one of three people who has possibly watched as much Impact slash TNA as I have. His name is Garrick. No? Uh oh. Garrett's traveling. He went to Dublin today. Um yeah, I'm sorry, seriously. It's uh it's just going to be me tonight. Um I know solo podcasts aren't always the most engaging products out there, but I will do my absolute best in order to make this worth your time because I greatly appreciate it and I thank you all for taking the time to listen. So today's show we're gonna talk about a couple things. We are going to start off with Impact Bound for Glory 2019 from Chicago. Building looked really good. They reportedly had a sold-out crowd. I'm not sure exactly how many seats that was. But the building looked good. The crowd was pretty much into almost all of the show. And I thought, again, it looked good. So that is good. Uh, A little bit bigger of a building than they have been running for the pay-per-views. So I do like the step up in that. And that is a positive for the company as they head into the Access TV era. We started off our pay-per-view with the Call Your Shock gauntlet uh, in Impact and TNA when they run a gauntlet match. It is basically your uh, Royal Rumble style match, uh, entrance every minute, you start off with two people, and then when you get down to your final two people, it turns into a regular wrestling match. So this had a bunch of the undercard guys that were uh, on the Battle Royal on Friday. Eddie Edwards starting at number one. Uh, Mahabali Shira got in at number 20. Weird appearances from Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, Swoggle, the newly signed Joey Ryan, and Kaylee Ray, who also worked the uh, Impact-produced indie show the night before. Uh, lots of rumors of her maybe signing, which she would definitely be a very good signing for them. She's a great babyface performer. So, Eddie Edwards ended up um, going the entire distance from one to the end, pinning Mahabali Shira at the end, winning the match at 33 minutes and 5 seconds. I thought it was a solid gauntlet overall. The crowd seemed pretty interested. The flow was pretty good. Uh, Edwards was a great anchor for the match because, obviously, as if you've watched a lot of wrestling, you know Eddie Edwards is very good at the professional wrestling thing. Uh, the only kind of negative here was if you ordered this on Fight TV, the first three minutes or so was lost due to no signal. So not all on impact there, but um, it comes on a weekend where they had a lot of production issues. They had issues with the uh, Twitch show the night before, and then the Prelude to Glory show had a lot of production problems as well. Uh, thankfully, once we got past that, the show ran well, and the uh, crowd was actually mic'd tonight, which was great. And um, so, again, crowd was really good. Add a lot to the show. 
We moved on to our second match of the evening, which was the Knockouts Championship match. Champion Tyre retained, defeating Tennille Dashford at 12 minutes via pin. Pretty good match overall. I thought Ty was actually very good to great here. Uh, she always works really hard. She's been delivering well. Uh, I felt Tennille Dashwood failed to deliver again, just putting in a lackluster and flat performance. Kind of sandbagged Taya on the uh, apron package pile driver spot, which could have ended extremely bad for her. Thankfully, she appeared to be okay. Uh, again, the match was pretty good. It just never felt really, really locked in. And I kind of felt bad for Callis and Matthews trying to talk about how the crowd was really into Tennille Dashwood trying to win when... A lot of the time, they were kind of booing and jeering her comeback stuff because no one's really interested in her. I mean, Tennille is a gorgeous woman. She does have talent. She did have potential at one point. But ever since leaving WWE, I have not seen... I've maybe seen one what I would call good performance, and a lot of them are just kind of flat and uninspired. And it kind of doesn't feel like she wants to be wrestling right now. I mean, maybe I'm wrong... But, I mean, that's just the feeling I'm getting from it. So, in that regard, Taya retaining the championship was the right call because she continues to work really hard, has a good character, and I enjoy her work. We moved on to the Tag Team Championship match. Triple threat match. The North defeated Rich Swan and Willie Mack and RVD and Rhino, uh, 1425 via pin. I thought this was a very good and energetic tag match that kind of started to get the show back on track. Uh, It felt like there was a lot of effort and sense of urgency here. The ending was really odd when RVD super kicked Rhino for the heel turn out of nowhere. For reasons, I guess. Um, Commentary tried to play it up that RVD was upset that Willie Mack and Rich Swan were stealing his moves, so why would he turn on his buddy and fail to win the championships? Hopefully that is uh, fleshed out and explained better on TV as we move forward. I hope it doesn't leave RVD being any kind of featured performer in the promotion. Um, he's just... He's a dude that works in slow motion, playing the hits, and the hits aren't even that good anymore. So, But this was very good. First thing on the show that was really interesting. Good crowd for it. Uh, the North retaining, definitely the right call. They're a great tag team. And you can probably go transition into a, hopefully, a um, one-team versus one-team feud with Swan and Mac, who have developed into a really good tag team as well. Next up, a big match that they were hyping as a dream match. Michael Elgin defeated Marifuji. 17.55 via pin. They got plenty of time. It was a great hard-hitting battle. Uh, I wish the crowd was hotter for it. They... We're into it at points. They weren't dead for it by any means. Please don't get me wrong there. But it just felt for like such a big match. And Chicago is, for lack of a better word, a smart town. They really turn out for big shows. I mean, you look at All In and All Out and a lot of the bigger MLW shows with the Lucha Stars. They they turn out good crowds that are generally really hot for things like this. And I don't know if it's because Marafuji is less known because he's a Noah guy to some fans. Because, you know, New Japan is kind of the top of the pecking order in terms of what general fans know and a lot of fans follow these days. And that's a shame because Marafuji is a is an all-time great. The dude is, you know, he's really, really great. So it was great seeing him here. They had a great match. Um, they unloaded everything on each other to the point at the end that 
I mean, Elgin hit like a splash mountain. He hit lariats. And then he uh, hit an Elgin bomb and the buckle bomb, but only got two. He then had to resort to the spinning back fist and the burning hammer, which Josh unfortunately referred to as the move that finished Marafuji. Come on, brother. How do you not call the burning fucking hammer, okay? Anyway, uh, great match as expected. I thought it might have been a little better than this. I'm not disappointed by any means. Great match. Really enjoyed it. So um, definitely delivered, and um, I'm extremely glad it was on the card. A definite positive to the card. Uh, it was at this point as they were announcing the X Division ladder match up next that Josh announced that Joey Ryan had signed with Impact. So the X Division ladder match was up next. We had uh, champion Jay Chris, Tessa Blanchard, Daga, Ace Austin, and the newly signed Ace Romero, who got signed on the Twitch special the night before and took the fifth spot in this match. This ended up being another great match. Um, some some fun and just big-time bumps. There was a great tease of Tessa winning towards the end. She was the most over person in this match. But in the end, douchebag Ace Austin stole the championship, hitting Tessa on top of the ladder with his little magical retractable cane. He becomes the new X Division champion of the world. Romero absolutely made the most of his big opportunity here. He took some big bumps, some big risks. He was doing everything to prove to this company that they made the right choice signing him. So, great effort by him. And the thing about Ace Austin winning is Eddie Edwards, who he's been feuding with, excuse me, has a guaranteed title shot at any championship he chooses from winning the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. So they can naturally um, extend that feud here. Although you can definitely make a case for Tessa kind of should have won here. Uh, that might be something we talk about later on, depending on how the booking of this comes out. I'm not going to shit all over it by any means, because you are continuing an established feud very well. But in my opinion, you know, Tessa is the biggest star in the company, and I think you kind of... I think you should have taken the opportunity to put the strap on her. Next up was Moose versus Ken Shamrock. The first thing I want to say about this is I think that the card positioning for this was an extremely poor choice. Making them go on after a great hard-hitting Michael Elgin versus Marafuji match and then a great ladder match filled with some really crazy and risky spots made it almost impossible for them to live up to any kind of expectation. I will say the match was solid overall. Ken Shamrock put in a much better performance than I ever expected. He's 55 years old. He does look in great shape. He hit like a, a big tope, hit a plonge, hit a standing rana. I mean, Ken worked his ass off, so complete respect for him. It was unfortunately a bit overbooked, ref bump, low blows, Frank Trigg getting involved, so that dragged it down for me. Needlessly overbooked, you're pushing Moose as a star. They want him to be a big star in the worst way. You bring in Ken Shamrock, it's a nice attraction, it's a great nod to TNA's past as he was the initial NWA champion on the first weekly pay-per-view. And that's all well and good, but I mean... Moose is your guy. Moose is who signed. Moose is going to be here for a while. And no disrespect to Ken Shamrock, I don't understand why you have to protect a 55-year-old Ken Shamrock who is a guest star. You can make him look good. You can maybe do one spot to kind of protect him. 
But a couple low blows in the Frank Trigg stuff just uh, really turned me off. Solid overall, better than I expected, and um, honestly, I'd uh, at this point I'd kind of rather see Ken Shamrock than um, RVD a lot of the time. Uh, they announced their return to pay per view in January with Hard to Kill, which is obviously a kind of inside uh, joke and the whole Impact is dying, LOL TNA stuff. No date or location announced, but it will be January. I'm really hoping it's not on the same weekend as Wrestle Kingdom because, number one, it's a shit ton of work for me. Number two, I don't want Impact to get lost in, like, the Wrestle Kingdom two-day hype because not only do you have Wrestle Kingdom two days on the 4th and 5th, which is a Sunday, then you have uh, the New Year Dash on the next day. So I'd rather them do a different weekend. Hopefully they can find one that's available because I would like for them to have a, a chance to shine and draw some fans in. We headed to the main event, which was changed to a no-disqualification match at the request of world champion Brian Cage. Champion Brian Cage defeated Sammy Callahan 16 minutes and 40 seconds via pin. Um, This was a great plunder-filled brawl. Uh, The tone fit the personal nature of the feud really well. These guys busted their asses. Sammy was busted open. They had a really good crowd for it. And it delivered in the main event spots. You had chair shots, table shots. You They broke a barricade. They did a powerbomb onto a barricade. You had thumbtacks at the end. Cage fired up and then hitting, ended up hitting a big powerbomb into the thumbtacks. And then a drill claw into the thumbtacks for the win to retain the championship. He and Melissa Santos then celebrated post-match the big victory. And if you haven't been following Impact, the reason it got personal is when Cage and Melissa Santos got married... Sammy Callahan, who had the title shot, arrived to kind of be a dick and ruin it. Had a bottle of champagne, went to hit Cage. Cage moved and Sammy ended up hitting Melissa Santos. Then they did an angle two weeks ago where, even though the show wasn't good, the closing angle was great because OVE is beating down Brian Cage to handcuff him to the ropes. Melissa Santos runs out. She begs off Sammy and OVE. You know, I'm married. He's my husband. We have a child together. And Sammy teases walking off, and then the bastard, he is a great asshole, by the way, if I haven't stressed that enough in my reviews, turns around and pile drives her while Cage is just a left an emotional mess handcuffed to the rope. So that was a great angle to set this match. So I thought overall, Impact Bound for Glory 2019 was a good but a little uneven show at times with a slow start, but it later developed into a really fun show. I do think they may have missed an opportunity by not having uh, Sammy and Tessa win big here, win titles, and to kind of continue that because, again, Sammy is their best heel by a mile and one of their most pushed acts. Tessa Blanchard, in my opinion, is the biggest star that they have. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you can keep teasing the Tessa thing and it'll eventually pay off, and that's all well and good, but they have to follow up on it. The other argument is that Cage had the win to get revenge for everything that Sammy did to get his comeuppance and all that. And I can understand that argument as well, but I also think that Cage has kind of been flat as champion, kind of absentee at times due to his injury issues. And I think sometimes, while smart booking is good, smart booking is also going with the hot hand. And in all honesty, I just I think Sammy was the hotter hand. Uh, Time will tell. I will definitely allow it to play out. But I do think it is okay to question it. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying it is horribly wrong and that they made 
big time mistakes. Um, it's just, um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's highly questionable. So, and uh, for those of you wondering why I did not review the Rascals versus Dr. Wagner, Aerostar, and Tarus match, that was bumped to the pre-show and taped to air on Impact Tuesday night on the uh, debut special on Access TV. So that is why there is no review of that. And that is the Impact Bound for Glory 2019 review. I'm going to take a drink now. To explain my dead air, which is obviously never good. So since it's just me and I don't want to only drop a 16-minute podcast, I don't know if you guys know this, but Ring of Honor has a UK tour coming up this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I am going to talk about those shows a little bit, and we will see what we have on tap here. We have, first of all, in London, Honor United London on Friday afternoon, I believe 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We start off with Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher versus Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King. Uh, Lucky Kid is uh, replacing the injured member of Aussie Open, who unfortunately suffered an MCL and ACL injury and will be out for some time. A horrible blow to Aussie Open, who were get, definitely getting a look from ROH, and by all accounts were set to work the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, World Tag League after impressing at the Royal Quest Show against the Gorillas of Destiny. They definitely would have been a big boost for the New Japan Tag Division and or possibly ROH if they got involved. So it's a definite disappointment for those guys. They're a great tag team. Um, so it sucks that we're losing Aussie Open, but uh, Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher are really great, I think. I think they will deliver here. PCO and Brody King are a very good tag team. They're former ROH tag team champions, and uh, they tend to deliver in their tag matches. Um, Aussie Open was supposed to get a tag title shot, but now Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher will challenge the Briscoes later on the tour. So that makes me think that they will win this match to kind of attempt to give them some believability as challengers against the Briscoes, even though they're not going to win. Uh, Since PCO is the number one contender for final battle, I would imagine that if Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher win, Brody King will take the pinfall here. So I will go with Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher to win. Moving on, we have Colt Cabana versus Flamita. Flamita is working the tour, replacing the injured Bandito who went out with a knee injury. And while nobody can really replace Bandito, Flamita is a really strong replacement and someone I'm surprised hasn't been locked down by MLW, AEW, Impact, or even ROH at this point. He's gotten looks by a lot of those groups in the past. So um, maybe this will be his big chance to lock on with somebody or have an impressive tournament or tour and then maybe get signed somewhere else, if not by ROH. He's really good. He's facing off with a mainstay in Colt Cabana. And the thing is, Cabana's going to be over huge here because he works a ton of UK tours and dates. He loves the style, and the fans love him over here. Stylistically, though, it is an odd match to book. Colt can work with really anybody, but it's not the first match I'd jump at the book on this tour. But I understand that they want Colt on the tour because he's going to be over. Uh, I think Colt can afford a loss here, and I think it's more important to get Flamita off to a winning start on the tour, so I will go with him to pick up the win. Jonathan Gresham versus Jay Briscoe. Uh, This definitely has banger potential written all over it. Uh, Gresham is absolutely awesome. 
The Briscoes are ROH legends. They're an excellent tag team. But honestly, many forget that uh, Jay is honestly a great singles wrestler still. Had a great match with Bandito this year, and I'm really looking forward to this one. think it'll possibly be great if uh, they get time and there's not a lot of overbooking. I think that this may be used to set up a tag title match at Final Battle, possibly uh, Gresham and Lethal versus the Briscoes. And if that's going to be the case, I can see Gresham winning here. Wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being maybe by disqualification because they do protect Jay a lot of the time. But I will go with Jonathan Gresham here. Uh, We stick with the Briscoes. Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal up next. Again, another match with a lot of potential. Jay Lethal is great, always delivers on these specials. Mark Briscoe, again, a great tag worker, but it's often forgotten that he can go as a singles guy. Lethal's a great dance partner to have for him to have a good match. And like the previous match, again, I think this may be part of setting up a tag title match of Final Battle. And again, if that's the case, I will go with Jay Lethal picking up the win here. We go back to tag team action here with the Brat Pack, which are Australian wrestlers uh, Mitch Waterman and Nick Burry, who have been uh, teaming for three years. They hold the MCW tag titles. I don't get to follow the scene a lot, but I've, I've reached out and I've heard a lot of good things about them. So I love that they're getting a shot here. It's uh, fresh names on the tour. And they're going to work with Lifeblood, which is going to be Tracy Williams and Mark Haskins. Uh, Lifeblood, despite some really bad booking throughout the year, always delivers on these shows, always has good to great matches. I think this will be good. It'll be a chance for the Brad Pack to impress, but Lifeblood should win since they're the mainstay uh, ROH act. We have a six-man scramble coming up, and what an interesting roster of talent we have. I don't know how else to put it. You have Silas Young, Dalton Castle, Matt Taven, Hikaleu, Kenny King, and Rampage Brown. ROH, uh, Silas Young is an ROH mainstay guy. He works almost every show. He works really hard. Dalton Castle is a former world champion, but is still really banged up and has never been himself since coming back. Matt Taven just lost the world title to Rouge. Hikaleu is on excursion from New Japan, working in the UK, and still growing into himself as a wrestler. Kenny King is a guy ROH wishes was a star. They keep pushing him like one, but he never quite gets there. And Rampage Brown is, a, is like the UK guest. Uh, these six-way matches kind of end up either a complete match or kind of okay. It really depends. Uh, you don't exactly have a lot of great workers here. It's here to get bodies on the show. It's not exactly very interesting. If I had to guess, Taven picks up the wind to get out of his uh, little slump after losing the championship and start a redemption tour. New Women of Honor champion Kelly Klein faces off with Mandy Leone. The Women of Honor division is just in complete shambles as the company continues to not book it seriously on TV or even behind the scenes. Look at the Maria Manic thing, for example. Kelly Klein is the best of what's left. I'm sure she's a lovely, lovely young woman. But the fact that she's already held the title three times kind of tells you exactly where the division is. They botched the love title run. They botched Maria Manic's run and lost her. And they've lost so much talent over the years, it's just so hard to get inve- invested into this division at all. I try. I want it to be good, but it just never is. It's often very bad, it's often overbooked, and I just can't care about it. Mandy Leone is the greatest underwater wrestler in the world. 
she's beyond horrible, but they continue to hype her as the woman that brought back women's of honor like like she's some fucking revolutionary. Ugh, anyway, th- this division, if it holds the form, this will be bad. Overbooked, probably go too long. Kelly Klein will retain. We will all move on after losing nine minutes of our life. TV champion Shane Taylor versus Joe Hendry is next. Uh, Taylor is the current TV champion, obviously, and has been uh, really good in 2019. He's improved a lot, really found himself as a performer. I'm not a big fan of the whole contract buyout Shane Taylor promotions deal because they generally never end well for ROH. They never end them solidly or have a good conclusion. Shane has been great, but I have uh, very little hope that promotion pays off the angle. Joe Hendry is one of the newest signees. He has a ton of charisma. He can go, but hasn't gotten over at all in the U.S., and it's just been completely cold in front of the crowds. The good news is that with this being in the U.K., he should come off like a star, hopefully. Uh, And if he looks like a star that ROH wants him to be, that will be good. I think both guys are good. The match should be good. Shane Taylor is going to retain unless ROH gets really ballsy and tries to elevate Hendry, which I do suppose is possible, but I don't see it. Closing up night one of the tour, Jeff Cobb and ROH champion Roosh versus Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull. Roosh and Cobb are facing off on night three of the tour for the ROH title. Uh, the winner of that match will basically move on to face uh, PCO at final battle because I don't see them losing it before then. Flip and Marty are a good and fun team. They should bring the goods. Roosh and Cobb are obviously very good. The goal here of Villain Enterprises, in theory, should be to weaken the possible champion heading into the match with PCO. That should be the game plan. Um, they'll end up failing. Roosh and Jeff Cobb will win, although I wouldn't be shocked if there was some kind of drama or tension between them to set up the big title match on night three. So that is night one in London. Uh, again, I believe 3 p.m. Eastern time or 3.30 p.m. Eastern time will be the start time. And that leads us to ROH Honor United Newport. The Briscoes face off with Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher to defend the tag team titles. I've talked a lot about both uh, groups already. The Briscoes tend to always deliver. I have faith they will deliver here and possibly steal the show. The Briscoes will retain the titles here because Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher are not the regular team. And they're likely not returning anytime soon. uh, Judging by the way ROH books UK talent. ROH Women's Champion uh, Kelly Klein faces off with Lana Austin. Lana Austin is our UK guest. Uh, She's fine. Kelly Klein can be fine. Again, this division has been booked so atrociously that I really can't find myself caring at all. I'm hoping for the best. Maybe it'll be good. Um, There's no way that Lana Austin wins here and takes the title because she's not coming back. Joe Hendry versus Matt Taven. Uh, again, this should be this tour should be the start of the Matt Taven Redemption Tour. He should uh, start picking up wins, and uh, winning over Joe Hendry here would be good for him, especially after he wins the six-pack challenge, which he should. I'm sure Hendry will be over. He'll probably look good, but Taven needs that rebound, and he needs to get back on track because you just don't want to totally bury him after being the champion. So Matt Taven will take that one. Next up, another match that looks to be a lot of fun on paper. Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull versus Tracy Williams and Flamita. Again, Flamita is uh, replacing the injured Bandito. Lifeblood versus Villain Enterprises has been going on almost all year. A lot of good to great matches, but it's kind of... It's run past its expiration date, if I can put it that way. 
The good news is at least Flamita's a fresh body in the mix. Probably be a lot of fun. I think uh, Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull will take the win, with Flamita likely taking the fall since he is our special guest. And Tracy Williams is the regular in ROH. Dalton Castle versus Hikaleo. Um, kind of a risky match to book for the fact that Castle is not back to himself. He's still banged up. He doesn't look 100%. And Hikaleo isn't exactly the most careful and clean worker so far. He's a big, powerful guy that um, doesn't really know his own strength yet. So probably wouldn't have booked this one, but he's on excursion. Hopefully they keep it short. Dalton Castle should pick up the win. Probably via submission, because I really don't see him hitting bangerang on Hikaleo with his shitty back right now. So I will go submission via the uh, the Julie Newmar. Kenny King and Mark Haskins is up next. Haskins impressed last year during the ROH UK Tour. Uh, won the big tournament and challenged Jay Lethal for the title, which is what got him signed. He's had a really good year again despite bad booking. Kenny King is a guy, again, they want to be a star. I think Haskins wins because we're in the UK. He could use a big win. And then I expect Bully Ray to arrive and beat the ever-living shit out of him to stand tall because that's what he always does. Tag team action up next. Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal versus Silas Young and Rampage Brown. Again, I'm of the opinion that Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham are on the way to an ROH tag title shot of final battle. They're a great team. They're the regular tag team here, while Young and Brown are a thrown-together tag team of bruisers. Uh, probably be a fine match, maybe even good. Lethal and Gresham should win to add more momentum to their possible title shot candidacy. So there, there you go. Next up is ROH TV champion Shane Taylor versus Ricky Knight Jr., who is the nephew of WWE's Paige. He is a UK guest on the show. He's 19, but started working back in 2001. He's a high flyer. He should serve as a fine, sacrificial lamb to Shane Taylor, who I imagine will largely destroy him en route to an easy win. We close up with another main event tag team match. Jeff Cobb and Roosh versus Villain Enterprises. Jeff Cobb and Roosh will be facing off on the next night of the tour for the ROH title. Um, again, the winner should move on to face PCO. PCO and Brody King here are the tag team. They're former ROH tag team champions. They work very well together. Match should at the very least be good. Uh, PCO and Brody King should be trying to weaken PCO's opponent in the future, utilizing their history as a team to their advantage. I think the finish will see miscommunication between Roosh and Cobb, leading to PCO pinning one of them and adding drama to the Cobb versus Roosh clash the next night, while also solidifying PCO as a real title threat at Final Battle, which I am not concerned that a lot of people are buying yet. That's not a slight on PCO, it's just the fact that he's a great novelty, but he's not exactly a great singles worker at his age. So, we'll see what happens, but that is the Newport Review. And I'm going to grab a drink again. To justify my dead air. We close out the tour by going to Bolton. Final night of ROH Honor United 2019. Joe Hendry versus Silas Young. I have Joe Hendry losing to Shane Taylor and stuff. So, again, Silas is a guy. He's a workhorse. He works really hard. Uh, he's a guy that can afford to lose here. It's a singles. Uh, Joe Hendry really needs momentum. 
So I will go with Joe Hendry picking up the win, hopefully in a really good performance for him. Hopefully he looks like a star in front of the UK crowd because they need to translate that to the US then. Here is something I'm really looking forward to. A match between two ROH guests on this tour, Flamita and Speedball Mike Bailey. Again, Flamita is replacing Bandito in this match, which I was looking forward to that, but Flamita is going to be a great replacement here. Again, surprised he's not locked down by anybody yet, but I'm excited to see him on the tour. Uh, Mike Bailey is extremely talented. Uh, He's only gotten better over the past couple years, but has fallen off of the radar to many due to the ban hammer at the U.S. border when he was coming over without a work visa, and that has led to him working internationally. Uh, So knowing the skill level of both guys and their history delivering electrifying matches, I'm really excited for this one. I think it will steal the show here on the final night and maybe the match of the tour if I had to guess, especially with Aussie Open being out and not facing the Briscoes. Neither guy's under contract. You can flip a coin here in terms of who's going to win. But they brought in Flamita to be part of Lifeblood for the tour, and Bailey's only working the one date. So I will go with Flamita here. Again, probably the match of the tour. Lucky Kid and Kyle Fletcher versus Marty Scurll and Flip Gordon. Uh, again, it'll probably be good. Both te- All the guys involved are really good. Um, but Villain Enterprises are the ROH mainstay act. They're facing non-contracted talents. They're not facing Aussie Open. So... I could be wrong here, and I might be surprised, but I think Villain Enterprises wins. Uh, this is kind of going to be Marty's swan song in a lot of ways with ROH going out on top, I think, on, excuse me, the UK tour. We go again to tag team action. The Briscoes versus Hikaleu and Kenny King. Take a guess what's going to happen, kids. The Briscoes are going to win, pinning Hikaleu because he's on excursion. Probably be okay, but Hikaleo and Kenny King does not sound like a good tag team combination in any planet in the multiverse. Dalton Castle versus Rampage Brown. Again, I've talked a lot about the Dalton Castle injury issues. They're not good. He works really hard, but he's not 100%. Uh, he's facing Rampage Brown. Brown is 36. He's an 18 year uh, veteran, regular on the UK scene working for various promotions, and recently won the RevPro tag titles with the Great O'Karn, which is a New Japan talent on excursion. Uh, Brown's a good heavyweight. He works really hard, has the ability to make his opponents look really good a lot of the time, I feel. So I think they can have a good match. Castle's the ROH regular. He still needs to pick up wins to, you know, he's really getting by on charisma these days and just, you know, all that because he's still so beaten down. So he needs to pick up wins here, and this is a great chance for him to do so. And again, that's not me downgrading Dalton Castle and calling him horrible. It's just the injury issues have really, really hurt him. Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham versus Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King. This one has a lot of potential. I think, again, they're setting up Lethal and Gresham for a tag title shot. Can definitely see them um, getting the win here, obviously pinning Brody King and not PCO. But you can make an argument that you don't want PCO losing another tag match on the tour. I think you can safely flip a coin, but I'm actually going to go with Lethal and Gresham. But I will not be shocked if Villain Enterprises ends up picking up the win here. Should be good, though, because both teams work really well as units. And now we go on to the main event of the night and the tour. 
ROH World Champion Roosh versus Jeff Cobb. Several weeks back, Jeff Cobb won the Denier Defy match while Taven was still the champion to earn him a future title shot, which is why he gets the challenge here. Roosh then defeated Taven at Death Before Dishonor in a great match to win the championship, which led to this coming full circle and giving us this. It, it led to excuse me. It led to Taven and Roosh coming full circle, but also robbed Cobb of a chance at getting revenge on Taven for the loss at Best of the World. What's really interesting is not quite the match itself, but it's going to be the booking because, according to most reports, both of these guys have contracts that run out at the end of 2019, although some are saying Roosh is locked in until the end of 2020. There are reports that both have interest from other promotions and all that, so PCO is reportedly re-signing, but I don't know if he has officially re-signed. And the ROH contract stuff is really weird right now because, no offense intended, with all due respect, but you're locking in Matt fucking Taven for a big contract before Bandito, Cobb, and others. Um, anyway, the winner here will be moving on, basically, to final battle to defend against PCO. Uh, PCO getting the title shot earlier in Canada this year made sense, and nobody saw the 51-year-old main eventing ROH's biggest show of the year. Back to this match, though, Roosh's ROH champion was the right call. Cobb is a great challenger. Definitely has a lot of potential here. The real issue here is that Cobb already worked his way to a title shot, had a big undefeated streak, and then lost that match. Cooled him off completely, so now he works back to another title shot. He's a more than worthy challenger, he's a great performer, and a guy ROH should have been looking to build around all year long. But Roosh is the hot hand, he really shouldn't lose the title here. So what do you do with Cobb, though? I mean, I see Cobb losing here, possibly tooling around in the middle of the card for the rest of the year, and then unfortunately for ROH, there's a very good chance that they lose Jeff Cobb, which is not good for them. So that is the look at the ROH uh, tour coming up. I will obviously have reviews of all those shows, so make sure to uh, join me for those. I do want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I apologize for it being for it being a solo show. Uh, I did try. I you know Jeremy went on vacation. Steve just doesn't have time to follow Impact anymore because he works two jobs. I tried to dig deep and get a great guest in Garrett Kidney, but unfortunately he was traveling uh, back from Dublin and wouldn't have time to be on the show. Uh, and obviously, if you know Garrett and follow him on Twitter. He would have been a great resource for this because, again, he's one of three people on the planet Earth that have watched as much TNA's impact as I have, the other being Mike Sempervivi. So um, I did try. So hopefully I gave you guys something interesting to listen to for about 40 minutes. I want to thank everybody again. Please know that I greatly appreciate all the, all the listens, all the downloads, all the mentions on social media. So again, in closing, this is the 411 Podcasting Network and the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. And you can also follow us on the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show. Please share us around on social media if you have a chance. And as always, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Have a great week, everybody. Jeremy and I should be back later this week, breaking down the Wednesday Night War. Have a great week.